Um, one of the best words I can use to describe them is uh, trust. Uh, you can always trust Steve Harvey and how he behaves, how he treats people. And I can always trust that uh, his scripts are very well done, professional. He made me disappear once. I don't even know how he did it. My wife tried to make him not bring him back, but that's another story. But one of the best things about him, I can say, is I trust him that he has a clear presentation of the gospel. He does not take knowledge, and he hears God's word is his voice of grace. You know what? You give God's word, they respond. And so our speaker today is the leader of Cool Kids Ministry. Would you give a nice little round of applause for Steve Hart? She 
but it's stuff. We started making them up for everybody. Um, Kelsey owns a dog, and a good-sized dog, and Kelsey says, my name is Kelsey, Remy, stop. My name is Kelsey, Remy, my name is Kelsey, Remy, stop. That's hers. Uh, we have Mercedes, my name is Mercedes. Hey, should we show you? <laughs> then we have Diana, her name's Diana. <laughs> but then hers is,
they're both babies. Which hand is the yellow one in? Uh, if the yellow one's 
This one over here. He takes the red ones here. He takes the yellow ones here. We'll start over here. He brings the red ones in his hand. Let's watch. Ready? Here we go. If you have been a student of the scriptures any amount of time at all, you know this verse. The 
Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. But we've quoted that verse and heard that verse and probably heard that verse preached time and time again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But have we ever broken that verse down of what it really means? That's where we've been deceived. That's where we've been tricked. Anybody know who I'm talking about when I say George Barner, the Christian Pulitzer? Anybody know who that is? About two and a half years ago, I got to interview. I, I got to go to a conference. I got to hear George Barner speak, and then I got to sit down afterwards and interview him one on one. Got to ask him some questions. And so I asked a lot of different questions. I even interviewed him for our radio broadcast we had at that time, and I set the recorder down and just talked to him about some things. And one of the things that I asked him was, just about families and children in general today. I'll tell you this. He started the conversation off this way. He said, Steve, if I had it to all do over again, I would go back and I would spend the last three decades of my life, instead of trying to reach adults, trying to reach children. That's what he's focused the rest of his life on now. He has left Barnard Group, the group that he started. He has left that and has started his own program now. And he's trying to reach kids to make a difference in young people's lives, children's lives. Did you know today, 85% of all folks that come to Christ do so before age 14? 85%. I can trace that statistic all the way back to 1853 in St. Louis, Missouri, when a pastor surveyed his church and found that 83% of the folks in his church had been saved at the time they were 14 years of age. 85% of all folks that come to Christ do so before age 14. It is the most prime fishing field there is in the world when it comes to winning souls. They're ready to hear. They've not been tainted by all the stuff in the world. I told people a long time ago, why do I work with kids? Because I got tired of jackhammering up concrete. I just want them to form some wet cement. It's a whole lot easier. Train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Work on that. Do it. That's where we've been tricked. Because we don't do it. 85% of all folks that come to Christ do so before age 14. That only represents one-third of that age group. We're still missing two-thirds of them. 97%. This is one of the things he told me. He said, Steve, 97%. Of all families raising children today, don't have a biblical worldview. And if you don't have a biblical worldview, your kids are never going to follow the things of the Bible. Do you know what the biggest hole that churches have today? We're losing 47% of our kids by the time they leave eighth grade. And that hole starts in fourth grade. Do you know why it's taking place? Because they don't believe, we believe, what we say we believe. Because we don't have a biblical worldview. So they watch what we're doing, they watch what we're saying, they watch how we're living, and they say, well, if that's what they believe, why should I believe this stuff? Because they don't really believe this stuff, because they don't live up to it. And so they're walking away, and they're not coming back. Depending on who you read and who you study, and Barnard quoted this as well, we're losing 75% to 90% of our children by the time they finish their freshman year of college. Did you know if you go to college today in America, you're 95% more likely to have an atheist as a professor than anything else? And he has a soapbox to stand on and a podium of power because he'd say, I you believe what I teach or you can't pass my class. You'd be amazed the students that go off to Bible college, or excuse me, go off to college, who've grown up in a Bible church, grown up learning about God, made a profession of faith so they believe everything, call their parents before their freshman year is over with and say, I don't believe that anymore, I'm an atheist now. But they're not coming back. They're just walking away from the church. Why? Because we've been deceived. We've been tricked, bamboozled. You see, the Bible says, let your light shine. Let me stop and ask you just a question, first of all. Do you have the light? Let's just get honest and serious this morning. Do you have the light? 
I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation. I told the kids Thursday night, I'll tell you, there's two things they tell me you'll never ever forget in your Christian life. If you're saved, two things you'll never forget. Number one, who the most original one. You'll never forget that for me with my brother. He's my youth pastor. He's 17 years older than I am. He led me to the Lord. I was 13 years old. Number two, you'll never forget where you were. I was on the front porch of Cabin Number One in Camp Chautauqua about 12:30 at night, sometime in August of 1972. Never forget it. Do you remember? I went into a church one, or into a nursing home one time and met a 92-year-old gentleman, Mr. Randolph, and he started telling me about a guy he had led to the Lord when they were way back in their 20s. And the more he talked, I come to realize I knew the guy he led to the Lord. It was a preacher, Dr. Howard Sears, down in uh, Middletown, Ohio. He had led to the Lord. He was a drunkard back then. And he and his buddy ganged up on their wives and led he and his wife to the Lord. And Dr. Sears became a, uh, a pastor, built a great church, the Grace Baptist Church in Middletown, Ohio. And so every year on Father's Day, we had Dr. Sears come to our church and speak. My pastor had been led to the Lord. I'm in the ministry of Dr. Sears. So on Father's Day that year, I went and got Brother Randolph and brought him to the church. He's missing a leg, the knee down. I had to go down and lift him up, put him over in the car, drive him out to the church, get him out, put him back in his wheelchair, roll him in, and he stuck me in the side room and gave him a microphone. And Dr. Sears walked out on stage that morning. Now, both these men are in their 90s now. Dr. Sears walked out on stage that morning, and just as he started to preach from the back room, all he heard was, Hey, Red, want to go to a cottage prayer meeting? Dr. Sears said, that's either so-and-so or so-and-so. The one of the names he mentioned was John Randolph. And we rolled Brother Randolph out, those two men stood on that stage that day and hugged each other and cried. You never forget who it was that led to the Lord. You never forget where you were. Do you have a light? He said, let your light so shine before men. Do you know that Christ lives in your life? Do you know that he's your Savior? Let your light so shine before men. People are supposed to see it. People are supposed to see what our kids, our grandkids are supposed to see what we're doing. When I'm dead and gone, I don't like kids and my grandkids remember, hey, Dad, Dad went all over the world, he did this, he did this. I could care less about that stuff. Two things I want them to know. My daddy loved Jesus. My daddy loved me. And he taught me about Jesus. When I get my grandkids, and it's just me and them. I hold them next to me. And just so that they, me and them can hear, I pray into their ears. Dear Jesus, I've got Grayson, I've got Kingston, I've got Ryan, I've got Aaron. I hold them up to me and just in, in their ears so only they can hear me. Dear Jesus, thank you today for Grayson and Kingston. Here's our dad. God, I pray that you love them. I love them. And that you love them. More than they will ever know. Keep them safe. Keep a hedge of protection about them. Help them to come to know you as their eternal leader. So they can be spared from the dangers of hell. Amen. When I first started praying, that was Grayson. He was fighting. He's six now. He's just a little bit baby. He didn't like being held up real close. But you know what? God, every time I pray that, he appears to just relax and let him miss me. Kingston does the exact same thing now. Ryan does the exact same thing now. And Aaron was only two months old. I, he had, probably has no idea what I'm saying, but I don't care. Don't come to David she understands it. I pray in her ears. 
put out my kids in the dances to know. The rest of the stuff I could care less about. I'm not in this to make a name for myself. I'm in this to leave behind something for Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before me. Then the next part of that verse says, that they may see. We've got this idea today that our service is supposed to be like our giving. I had a fellow walk up to me at church the other week, and he handed me, shook my hand when he shook my hand. He did it backwards, figured he shook my hand with his left hand. And he stuck some money in my hand. And I said, sir, you don't need to do that. Why? I didn't need money. Did you give me money last time? I did? Was it with the left hand? I said, no, sir, you just shook my hand and stuck your money in it. He goes, there you go. I said, what? He goes, my right hand never felt my left hand once a year. <laughs> and vice versa. They have a mind of their own. Accept it. Be a servant. But when it comes to our service, the Bible is very clear. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. Let people see what you're doing. Let people see how you're serving the Lord. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're, verse 25, that we're to provoke one another unto good works. You don't provoke somebody by hiding it. You provoke somebody by pushing them. You've never started a fight going, you start a fight by going, that's weird. Let's get it on. That's how you provoke someone. When you provoke someone that works by doing something in front of them, so they can see what you're doing. Let your light so shine before me that they may see. These kids all the time, when they travel with them, I tell them about what we're doing. I try to get them involved. I've taken them on missions trips. I took kids with me to Ukraine. We helped build a bridge to life home, what we would call an orphanage over there for kids so they could get in and have a Christian family and learn all about God and grow. We did camps over there. I took kids with me to do that. We've gone to Taiwan and worked with large Christian uh, schools over there that allow lost kids to come to their Christian schools. They can help pay the bills. Taiwan has become second only to Silicon Valley for technology in the world. If you've got a phone on you anywhere today, all the parts of that phone were made in Taiwan. Taiwan has gone from being a little trinket place that was just nothing 30 years ago to second only to Silicon Valley in technology today. There are three level interstates in Taiwan. Three levels. Top level just goes past the city. Middle level, you can go fast through the city, but you can still get off in a few places. Bottom level, I haven't been there a while. <laughs> Trust me on that one, okay? But we go to these Christian schools and have 40, 50 kids get saved over there because they're in atheist and Buddhist homes. But they're sending them to Christian schools letting them do Western education and come to America and go to Harvard and Yale and MIT and places like that and get this education and go back home and do technology. And we get to go and tell them about Jesus and they all have to speak English to be there so there's no language barrier. Taking kids over there with me. Matter of fact, I took one guy with me for three years. He works with me. You know what the little turkey's going to do in September? He's resigning. You know what he wants to do? Go to Taiwan and be a missionary. Loser. Amazing when people get out of the world of God and what they're supposed to do. I'm just kidding. I'm happy for him. I wish he wasn't going. But I'm happy that they are. I love to follow what God's doing. Okay? But I'll still call him a loser. Just make him feel better about it. If I can help you just a little bit, I have made my day. <laughs> Alright? I want people to know we're building, we built a church, a feeding center, a school in Haiti. 
I'd love to take Kaylee with me back to Haiti. We've just raised money. We're going to deaf school in Haiti. Cheryl and I are going in September, and she's going to sign and teach in the deaf school. A lot of people there in Haiti can hear. Here. Don't know any sign language whatsoever. So we're going to teach them. It's cheap to do it. $12,000. We're building a school. I don't make a difference in people's lives. I don't know if people know about it, because I want to encourage you to do things as well. You don't have to go to Haiti and build a church, a feeding center, a school, or a deaf school. You don't, you don't even have to... You didn't have to leave here. Walk next door and make a difference in your neighbor's life. Invite the person you work with. Call the friend. Call the family members. Do you know why there's empty pews or empty seats here this morning in these chairs? Do you know why? Because we didn't bring people to fill them. Now that's our responsibility. Luke 14, 23. Really go out behind these with your head heads. And compel them to come in. That's the responsibility given to us. Let your light be have the light. So shine before me. Let people see what you're doing. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, it's not for us. I don't tell you that this morning. I say, oh, well, look what most do do. Uh, I just like you my pants on one leg at a time just like you. I make stupid mistakes. I've appeared on stage Friday night and wrote a new magic trick. I've used this magic trick. I've been doing illusions for over 45 years. I've used this magic trick. I can't tell you how many times now it's been used. What happened? I do not know. I have no clue. I was talking to a young man who come to visit us. I just wrote a new magic trick. It's a little flame filler. It's just a thing you put some flash paper in. Flash paper is, looks like Kleenex. It's been treated as a chemical. It's been dried. And you just put a mask on or anything that's hot to it, it'll go boom. It has to be shipped, still wet, so it doesn't blow up inside the truck. When you get it, you gotta lay it out and dry it, and you cut it in little pieces, and you can use it. <clears throat> I'm loading that inside of it, I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden that thing exploded in my hand. I took a step out of the window and was that a gun? I wish, because I'd just like to be dead right now. <laughs> uh, I couldn't hear a thing. The whole night, I kept looking at Cheryl going, is it fuzzy in here to you? And she's like, oh, I feel pretty good. Uh, Pastor's up here talking, I'm here, wah, 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 wah. I thought it was a Charlie Brown episode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, got my hand, seven stitches over here. I had to go to the ER afterwards. They were like, why did you wait two hours to come? We're doing vacation Bible school. So I wrapped my hands up. I had to go back in and finish the vacation Bible school. And then I came up here. The receptionist, she was like, that's right, I'm a believer. You've got to tell them babies all about Jesus, don't you? <laughs> yes, ma'am. The doctor goes, that's dedicated. My daughter, who's 30-something, she goes, it's your generation, Dad. If that would have been my generation, they'd bail on the BBS right then, gone out and cried in the trailer, headed on to the ER room. They'd have tried to sue the church for four working conditions, and by next week they'd been on welfare or workman's comp. One day other. <laughs> I just made a stupid mistake. Or I sorted out one or the other. I don't know which. I, I, I have no idea. We had three of them. I had the interns do three. Won't make the mistake again. I said, take those things and throw them all away. If this can happen, then I don't want anybody getting hurt. Now, anybody else getting hurt. I'm like you. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. But that's not a reason to quit. There's a generation of kids out here today that need to hear about Jesus Christ. It 
Dick Rosado was born in 1993 to meet somebody who'd never, ever heard about Jesus Christ, ever. I had him in the Philippines on the rooftop of McDonald's. I'm not kidding no more. Third floor, two-story McDonald's on the top floor of that. It's just a rooftop. Uh, got a bunch of street kids, and I'm telling them about Jesus with a translator. They didn't know who Jesus was. Never heard somebody was walking. You know, the last 14 years traveling to America, I run into kids all the time in America that have no idea now who Jesus is. Well, they've heard the name is a cuss word, so that means no idea who Jesus is. I asked a kid one time, he said, who is Jesus? I said, who do you think he is? He said, Jesus is a good person, and his brother is Satan, he's a bad brother. He said, his brother's a devil, he's a bad brother. I had never heard that before. I later found out that is actually a, a woman belief. Never had heard that before. I, I've heard that a lot in the last couple of years. There's a generation of them needs to hear. You know how many of them hear? Who they tell them. Do you know why they haven't heard? This is the point where you and I have to take the blame. We didn't tell them. In the 60s and 70s, Church was wearing buses and brought in kids and guys like me were a dime a dozen. I know a lot of those guys from back then who have since passed away. They were a dime a dozen. Man. They were out here trying to reach kids and doing ballooning and magic and all kinds of stuff. You can't find. I've got three other couples working with me now because I can't keep up with all that people wanting me to do. You can't find them to do what I do now. And we quit running buses. We said it became too expensive. The guy who builds the guy with a thousand bills and supply buses and there's gas at 25 cents a gallon and insurance for hundred dollars a year suddenly became limited when gas went to uh, five dollars a gallon and insurance went to a thousand or two thousand a year. We couldn't supply anymore. And so we just quit. And then we wonder why our world's in shape it's in. Five percent of the kids that you'll bring in here will be saved if you get them in here. Rachel, the teenagers are going to miss out on 85% of the kids. Only 9% of the folks get saved from age 14 to age 19. From age 19 to age 34, about 5% of the folks get saved. And after age 34, less than 1% of the folks that ever come to Christ get saved after age 34. Yet 90% of the churches in America spend 90% of their budget reaching the 35 older crowd. Less than 2% of their budget reaching the under 14 crowd. Yet that's the crowd that's going to come. They're not going to pay off the building. They're going to mess up the carpet. They're going to make a royal payment upon us. And if we don't make them part of our church today, there will be no church tomorrow. Over 3,000 churches close their doors every year in America. Over 1,500 pastors are walking away from ministry every year. They're not coming back. They tell me right now the most discouraged job out there is to be a pastor. When Cheryl and I started traveling 14 years ago, we didn't realize that one of our ministries was going to be encouraging the pastors. I can't tell you the pastors I've run into who look at me and say, I wish I had a good friend like you. I just want to quit. I'm tired. I'm killing myself in the late 50s. Do we care? Let your 
write such down before me that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 all the time. For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, but a gift of God. Not of works, as any man should boast. But you know what verse 10 says? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're supposed to do something. I'm reading the this this morning. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. James, the earthly brother of Jesus, the guy who could have boasted about his relationship to Christ, I am his brother. <clears throat> the guy who started his book off by saying, <clears throat> I'm James, a bond slave of Jesus. I'm going to walk with Christ. Never mentions his earthly relationship, but talks about the fact that he's been purchased by the blood of Christ. And in verse 22, he says this. He says, be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Now listen to these next four words. Deceiving your own selves. You see, if all we do is come here and sit, and listen, and walk out the things we've got our worship on today, and we're done, and we're through for the week, and we come back next week, James said you just deceive yourself. This isn't what we're supposed to do. This is the cut off. The game starts when you walk out that door. We're here just to pump you up. Have you ever been to a pep rally when you were a kid? Man, the band gets you all pumped, the football players come out, they're like, we're going to go win that game this week. We're going to win with it hard. We're going to win. Somebody answer that phone. We're going to win the game this week. And I'm going to get tackled and hit the head again. We're going to win. Somebody answer that phone. We're going to win the game this week, okay? And everybody walks away going, yeah, we're going to win the game this week. Doesn't make any difference. The last four games you lost 32 to nothing. We're going to win the one this week. It's a pep rally. It's to get you fired up, get you believing you can go do this. Well, that's what this is. Let me do something. Because if you don't, you deceive yourself. Satan can deceive you. The world can deceive you. It's the only place in all the scripture that admonition is found. He says, all you do is come and sit and listen and hear, and when you leave, you've deceived yourself. Nobody else can. Satan's work for you. Let's go reach this generation. Let's go make a difference in some lives. Y'all have done an awesome job this past week, but Paul said this one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind, I press toward the mark. This week's over. You can pat yourself on the back today, but tomorrow's coming. And there's 16 more good news. And there's 16 more good news. And it'll never stop being 16 more good news until Jesus comes. Father, thank you for the time we've had together this morning. Help us to let our light shine. There is a world out there that needs to know that we believe what we say we believe. There's a world out there that needs to know that this stuff is real. And there's children out there that need to hear from you to see a reality in our life. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would work through us. You would help us to see the reason to tell a lost and dying world about you, especially to reach these children. God, put a burning passion inside of us. As with Jeremiah of old, we just could not keep quiet. There was a burning in our bones to reach a lost and dying world for you. Father, I pray this morning for someone here that doesn't have the light. They do not know you as their personal Savior. They don't know if they're going to die today before they have God, I pray today would be the day they come to that Savior life. Father, I pray for the Christians here today who have just become cold and complacent, that today would be the day they say, Father, forgive me. Father, the search of our Christian first. 
I want you to have preeminence in my life once again. I want to reach a lost and dying world for you. I want to let my life stand. Father, bless this now your time, I pray. We ask all this in your precious name. Would you stand with me this morning? Is there a verse of invitation today? Is God speaking to your heart? Just about today. If not, just kneel down.